right. If you guys can grab your Bibles, we are going to be in Exodus chapter 28, and that's what we'll be working out of uh, tonight. Um, we are going to connect uh, last week with Pastor Ryan to this week. Uh, he talked a lot about the tabernacle and the altar and sacrifices. We're going to connect that now to what I know you think about all the time. What did the high priest wear back in the day? And that's uh, the fashion. What was the going fashion at the time? And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. So we're going to be moving beyond the tabernacle and into what the priestly duties are. And there's just, before I want you to know, to, um, to go through this, please, if you can, if you miss any of these teachings, they are expositional, which means we go verse by verse through the scriptures. And I encourage you to go back to the podcasts and listen to them if you miss any, because it all has a great flow. And I want to remind you, this, this hit me this week, um, as I've been growing up and, and reading the Bible most of my life. And um, you can read the Old Testament in one of two ways. And I just want to encourage you not to do either. There's like extreme reactions. Um, sometimes you can have way too much ignorance about the Old Testament. And sometimes you can have too much influence of the Old Testament. And there is a balance between both of those because I want to encourage you, that's who Jesus Christ is. The Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. The New Testament is Jesus Christ revealed. Think of like a budding plant, right? You see the bud come up on a plant and then it blossoms and you finally get to see that flower. It was still the same flower. It was just ready to show itself. And so I just want to get, kind of give you like a, a description of what that looks like. So if you have too much, if you have too much influence of the Old Testament, then you would think that this building is holy. And this building is not really holy by in and of itself. It's holy because of Jesus Christ, but this building is not holy, right? Um, we don't have holy furniture, I mean, if you go back in the youth, you can see how they treat that furniture. That has holy furniture. And you can look at the pastors as, as, as priests, but we're not really priests because if you read the New Testament, you understand that we are a part of a priestly uh, ministry together, all of us. I just have the opportunity to come up and speak tonight. Now, I'll give you the kind of case in points. Here is where you can have too much influence when you treat the Sabbath uh, more than it should be in the New Testament, right? And that's some place where people, have, they observe so much of the Old Testament, they lose who Jesus is and the freedom that we have through Jesus in the New Testament. Now, let's go to the ignorance side. Uh, we can ignore the fact that God does have a holy building. If you read Revelation, God will, in fact, have a holy building that will be constructed in Jerusalem. And then God does not ignore the fact that he needs priests. He's called for priests. But I say this, you, there will be priests. It says you'll be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, right? So he is, he is adhering to that. And also too, there is a Sabbath and there are Sunday rules. But those are not things that are to be lost in, in, in the shadow of Jesus Christ, right? You know, these, these are all things that come together. So we want to be careful when we read the Old Testament and the New Testament we don't want to read the Old Testament as if the New Testament wasn't written and we haven't experienced the love of Jesus Christ. We also don't want to read the New Testament as if it didn't fulfill the Old Testament. So that's why when we read through these scriptures, I want you to see uh, why are we reading so much about like curtains and like silver rods? You know, this sounds like, like, a de like I, when I, uh, I spent a couple days at home, I was watching all these demo reno shows, you know, and it's like somebody had to go to Home Depot constantly to go pick something up, right? It sounds like a to-do list, but it's not. These are all preparing God's people to understand that they need a high priest and that they are not perfect and that there will be a high priest that is perfect that will cover their imperfection. And you will never understand the depth of that until you realize why the Lord set up the culture, and the prescription of sacrifice led by a high priest. 
Now, I want to put this in your mind as you move forward, as you, as you see the scripture as it is. Your high priest became your sacrifice. That puts everything in the Old Testament into perspective and the beauty and the depth of what Jesus Christ feels about you, is done for you, and will continue to do for you. But that can be lost if you don't know the whole story. So when you look at the Bible, understand that this isn't a story for, or, or just like a to-do list, a honey-do list of, of like the Old Testament Home Depot. Go and pick these things up. No, from cover to cover, this is a story about how amazing Jesus is and why you need him from cover to cover. So I just wanted to point that into you. Uh, so what is a high priest? Before we get into our verse, what is a high priest? A high priest is someone who represents others before God. So you need an, an intercessor. So in Exodus in the Old Testament, the high priest represented all of Israel. Just think about this. The high priest represented the people of Israel, right? When he would go into the Holy of Holies, which we're gonna discuss more about that, he would represent, he would even represent the other priests, you starting to see the image? There was one person, one person that had the responsibility of going before God and speaking on your behalf. And this was the role of only one person who could be granted access to the Holy of Holies, but they had to do it in the right way. So join me in fi um, finding out what that right way is. Verse 1 of chapter 28. And it says, Have Aaron your brother brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, and Eliezer and Ethamar. And so they will serve me as priests. So you can see in here, priesthood is not earned. That's something very, very important. Priesthood is chosen. God specifically chose these people, not because of bloodline or birthright. He gave them the birthright. They didn't earn that even from their father, Aaron. These boys that would come through Aaron, they were specifically chosen. And so that's something that we have to look at. We are not getting anything from Christ through our parentage. So we cannot be born into Christianity. And, um, but we can do one thing, right? We can be reborn into the kingdom of God. So I want to give you that idea of what we're looking at at these priests. You could say, I am disqualified because of my life that I've lived before Jesus, right? Absolutely true. But when I was born again, I was called into the priestly ministry. I want to let you know this is a funny story. One time Jackie had to go to um, a, like, uh, a training up in Washington, D.C. And so I just like putzed along because I wanted to go to Washington, D.C. And I walked around the White House and it was fascinating. If you are into people watching, this is the most amazing, this is people watching Central. I mean, I didn't even know like what was going on half the time. And I was like, I just, I don't, I don't even know what's happening. I just want to watch you people. You guys are crazy. There was so, it was like, there was protests colliding into protests. You know, people for cats, people for dogs. And then they were just, they didn't even know that each other existed. And I'm just like watching these people. And the most amazing thing is I remember this one guy ran up to a security guard in front of the, washing, wash, in front of the White House. And he goes, I need to see the president right now. And he goes, well, I can't do that for you. You don't, you don't have clearance. You're not prepared. You're not, you're not the guy. And he said, I need to see the president right now. I have a real problem. problem. And he goes, what is it? And he goes, we're, we're putting too many chemicals in dog food. And I was like, this is hilarious. I was just like, I would pay money just to sit here and watch this conversation. And eventually there was a guy that was saying, he goes, where are you from? And he said, Oklahoma. And he goes, well, there's a, there's a state senator from Oklahoma right here protesting alongside you. You have to talk to him. And maybe he can talk to the governor and maybe the governor can talk to the president. And that's because you don't have clearance because you don't know the protocol. 
And that kind of just hit me when I was reading through this. It's like, there has to be a preparation. You don't know the protocol. As you've been born into Christianity, do you know everything about the inner workings of the worship of heaven, how to approach the throne room of God? If, if right now an angel came and just tapped you on the arm and goes, the Lord would see you in the throne room right now, would you be just like, do I have the right shoes on? I mean, do I have to take 15 showers? What do I got to do? I'm not sure I'm ready, right? Because that's when it hits you. There's a protocol, and that's what the Lord's doing. Let me show you how to approach me. Look at verse two. Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. And tell all those skilled workers whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so that he may serve me as a priest. So just a reminder, that word consecration means I want to pick you and set you apart for my special purpose. When God says, I want to consecrate you, I want to set you aside for a special job, a special assignment that is special to me. And that just kind of puts a whole new weight on it, doesn't it? When the Lord goes, I have a, you know, like think about, Ethan, was it Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible? This thing will blow up in five seconds after you've listened to it. I have a special assignment only for you. And you're like, you cannot fail. Well, we cannot fail because we have the Holy Spirit, right? But that's what he's saying. I need you to be in, in, uh, designed by the way that I want to impart you into this worship. And uh, I also want to let you know that the close is not just the total presentation. It's nothing fancy when you look at it, even though it looks kind of cool. But you're walking into an appointed ministry designed by God from top to bottom including what you wear. And that's kind of amazing to me. So the first slide I just want to put up for you guys today says, you need to be shown how to serve and worship God. You need to be shown how to serve and worship God. That's an important distinction of a Christ follower versus a Christian. Christian might say that we always say there's a difference between people say, I claim to be a Christian. You know, like 87% of America claims to be Christian and like, maybe 54% go to church. And maybe 37% read their Bible. So we're talking about a Christ follower, right? A Christ follower goes, okay, I've received the assignment. I'm going to worship you, Lord. How do I do it? Now you're in a place to let the Lord and the, and the Holy Spirit minister to you and go, let me show you what worship looks like, not just today, not here, but for eternity kind of changes how you approach it. And so I just want to let you know, it's not always natural to us, but the Lord will connect. It's not always seems like it's even attainable to us, but the Lord will provide. And that's something you have to see in that, in that, in that statement there. You need to be shown how to serve and worship God. And what are we in the middle of a, of a chapter where the Lord is providing? So I'm going to put this uh, picture up. Actually, production is going to put this picture up. And I bought this so you guys can see it because no one could see the laser. So, so this is the full outfit that the high priest would have to put on. And I want you to think about it as we walk through it because we're going to go in two different ways. We're going to read through it, but also I'm going to point out something first. I want you to see the white. This is the white linen. We're going to talk about that in a second. But the white linen is the first thing that he'll have to put on. So if you guys can, we'll leave that on the screen, but read with me in verse four. These are the garments they are to make, a breast piece, an ephod, a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. And they are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons, so that they may serve me as priests. Have them use gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen. So notice that word, that fine linen is that white part. So why all this? Why get them all gussied up? 
Why make him, you know, why would you turn him into the fashion king right there in the middle of the desert? And I would tell you, there's a reason why God would put these people specifically, and in fact, just one person in this beautiful design. Because apart from them, you know, their own skills, they are not adequate. They are not adequate as men. They are not adequate because they are by themselves a sinful person just like you and me, and they would have to get cleansed and approach God in the appropriate way. And this is the representation of the person that's going to go into the Holy of Holies right here. This is the representation. And we're going to walk through that representation together. But just think about this. Jesus didn't require any of these priestly robes, did he? Because he didn't need to set himself apart visually because he was perfect. And so apart from ourselves, we need to see that God came in the way that he did because he was perfect and we have to come in the way that we do because we are not perfect. And we have to be covered by this, uh, by this perfect, perfect high priest. So when the people would look at this, they wouldn't see the man, they would see the position. When the people would look at this, they wouldn't see the man, they would see the office. They would see the duty. They would see the ministry. They would see heaven. And I want you to know that. So the white linen that he would put on first, that would be the first thing he would put on. He would cover himself in white linen, and that would be a symbol of purity. And so before you can do anything, you must get before the Lord and be pure. The second thing you see is you see this blue robe, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But one of the colors that you see in blue is heaven. The, the, the color of blue is for heavenly calling. And that's just to show you amazing kind of a thing right here, that this person is heaven in quality. Just think about that. Heavenly grade, right? And then you could also see maybe heavenly in authority. And then the scarlet, that speaks for itself, does it not? Sacrifice and restoration. Are you seeing who this priest is? It's a priest that's pure. It's a priest that's heavenly. It's a priest that would come with the idea of, I need to restore you. But then with gold, I want to make you kings. I want to make you queens, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So slide number uh, four, we can put that up for you guys. We're going to say this right now. We have to know this through this, through this uh, outfit is we are not adequate on our own. When we walk even into worship, think about prayer, even prayer itself, faith, faith alone. We are not adequate or known. Who has to be the author and perfecter of our faith? Jesus Christ, even our own faith that we have to give back to him has to have Jesus' handprints all over it because we are imperfect at even bringing the faith that we have. This is all the faith that I have. And Jesus is like, well, you're going to need more. You're going to need a whole lot more. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like we're doing heavenly things. We're going big. Just think about this. The disciples walked and talked with Jesus and Judas still bailed on him. The, the disciples walked and learned and saw the miracles and they got in a boat and they were like, he sent us out here to die. And then here he comes walking on the water, happy as he can be, right? And then who gets out of the boat? Peter, with what? With faith, because he had his eyes locked on Jesus Christ. But the moment that he took his eyes off Jesus Christ, where did he go? Down. Because he started to waver in his faith because the author and the perfecter of his faith had to come over and reach out and pull him up. And that is why you have to see that we have to be draped in the righteousness of God. We have to be draped in the heavenly qualities of God. We have to be draped in the restoration of God. We have to be draped in the authority of God. Let's continue on, verse six. Make the ephod of gold and blue, purple and scarlet yarn, and of finely twisted linen, and the work of skilled hands. It is to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so it can be fastened. 
fastened. It is skillfully woven waistband. It's to be like it of one piece with ephod and made with gold. Just think about that, a golden belt. Not fake gold, not painted gold, gold. That's just amazing to me. Put on this gold belt, sorry. That's just Jackie's fashion influence on me. And with blue and scarlet yarn and with finely twisted linen. So this was an ephod, was a long strip. So you see he'd put the blue robe on, right? And then he would put on that, blue, that, that, that ephod and it had like a hole on it. So he would put it, his head through the hole and it would be front and back. And the way that you would tie that down is with that golden sash, which by the way, in Revelation, Jesus is announced with a golden sash. But I just want to let you know, the ephod um, was kind of like also a message to the people that he was unified with God because most of the stuff inside of the tabernacle, you know, bore these colors. You can see how there's all these color, colors woven in, but even the veil itself bore these colors. So if you were to come to the holy place, you were not going into the holy of holies, right? But if you saw this priest bearing these colors standing in front of the, the veil that protected everybody so that they didn't die when they would look towards the Shekinah glory, right? He would say, I'm in, I'm in unity. This high priest has to be in unity with the Father. As we're going through the book of John and we're hearing the Pharisees argue with Jesus, are you, are you seeing it? They're not, they're not getting, don't you see that I am unified with the Father? Not just because I say that I am or just because the Lord has given me power and authority by the miracles that I do, but look at the command of the scripture. I'm pointing to myself. I am the messenger that Isaiah predicted. I am the messenger that all of the old prophets said. I am him. I am unified. My Father and I are one. And that's what that ephod is. But also too, that ephod is also this. It's an, considered an apron of service. Girdle is another word. Did Jesus put on a girdle before his death at the Passover? And what did he do? Wash the feet of his disciples. So this is a person who is going to do work. This is a person who is going to come and to serve. This is not just a luxury item. This is to say, I'm about to do some work for the nation of Israel or my people. And just think about this. Jesus lived to die and serve. Look at verse nine. Take two onyx stones and engrave them to the names of the sons of Israel in order of their birth. Six names on one stone and six on the other. Engrave them the names of the sons of Israel on two stones, the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in gold filigree settings and fast them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a memorial stones for the sons of Israel. And Aaron is to bear the name on the shoulders as a memorial before the Lord and make gold filigree settings and two braided chains of pure gold like rope and attach them to the settings. So what you're looking at now is these shoulder plates. So I'm going to come up over here real quick. And so you can see over here with my handy dandy orange pointer. Right here is what we're talking about. These two shoulder plates would have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel right, right here, right? You know, sitting on top. And as they're doing that, what we're saying is this is not only a high priest who's here to work, he's here to carry. He has the strength to carry the nation. Even further, we'd say this, he has the strength to carry their burdens. So when he goes in there, he goes in there with your name on his shoulders. What they're going through, I care about. It's kind of an amazing kind of look. And you can kind of see, the, I don't know if you're like me, I love looking at, at Christian like paintings and like through the time. And one of my favorite, you know, it's always Jesus with the lamb, right? And where's the lamb at? On his shoulders. Why? Because that's at the point where the shepherd is walking the sheep. Usually the baby lamb's like, all right, I'm not as big as the other guys. Can you help me out? And Jesus goes, okay, and puts him over shoulders. And that's just a, such a great picture, right? Because I will now carry you the rest of the way. And that's what it's saying. 
This is a high priest who will carry the burdens of his people. Let's continue. Verse 15. Fashion a breastpiece for making decisions with the work of skilled hands and make it like the ephod of gold and of blue and of scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen. It is to be square, a span long and a span wide and folded double, which just so you know that means it's like two sheets of, of, of metal and then there's a hollow in between. So when you're looking at that, that's what we're saying. Right here, there's a hollow, but where all those 12 stones are on his chest, there's a hollow. And the mount for four rows of precious stones on it. And the first row shall be carnelian, chrysolite, and beryl. And the second row shall be turquoise, lapis, uh, lazuli. I did that pretty good. And emerald. And the third row shall be jacinth, agate, and amethyst. And the fourth row shall be topaz, onyx, and jasper. And mount them in gold filigree settings. And there are to be 12 stones, one of for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of the 12 tribes. And so this is very interesting. So you have the name on the shoulder. You also have the name across the heart. And this is so that everything that, they, that the, uh, the high priest does, he walks towards the holy place to do the work, to do ministry with the affection of the people. So he has the burden on his shoulder, but he has an affection for them over his heart because he's constantly thinking about that. And so you just think about this. God's affections lay against his heart every time you pray. There is a verse in Revelation that every prayer that you've ever prayed is presented before the Lord forever. That means there's prayers that you have forgotten about that God still cares about. Think about that. And it's still considering. And so we will also talk about that hollow in a minute. We're going to hold off. But just let you know, it is for the importance of sin. So when I think about you, this is what the high priest, this is what the Lord is saying. When I think about you and I have to make a decision for you or help you with a decision, you're on my heart. It's not because you annoy me. It's not because you're ridiculous. It's not because you're rebellious or you just don't get it. It's because you're on my heart that I care. Look at verse 22. For the breastpiece make braided chains of pure gold like rope, make two gold rings and fasten the corners of the breastpiece, fasten the two gold chains to the corner and the other, the ends of the chains of two settings and attaining the shoulder pieces of the ephod in front. Make two gold rings and attach the other two corners of the breastpiece and inside the edge next to the ephod. Make two more gold rings and attach them to the bottom of the shoulder piece on the front of the ephod, close to the seam just above the waistband and of the ephod. And the rings of the breastplate are to be tied to the rings of the ephod with a blue cord connecting it to the waistband so the breastplate will not swing from the ephod. And so all of that really very specific fashion information from the Lord. Isn't it weird to think of the Lord so fashionable? Like, I need it this way. I need gold, I need blue. That's how I like it. You know, we watch a lot of fashion shows with Jackie just because, you know, she likes the, like, documentaries, you know, about these people. And it's just like, I want it this way. And everyone's like, genius. Right? And you're like, I don't know. It looked like you just threw a scarf over it. I don't know. That, like, I, I don't know what I'm looking at. But here, this is what the Lord is saying. I need you to honor my prescription of what it means to take worship holy before you come to me. And I want you to see what it is. I don't want that ephod swinging around because I want it to forever be pressing against your heart. When it's time to come and intercede for people, I want you to know that the high priest who comes to bear your burdens and comes in with an affection for you, he's taking this seriously. This is not moving around. This is pressed into his heart. Look at verse 29. And whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the son of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of his decision 
as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also the Urim and the Thummim in the breastfeeds so that they may be Aaron's heart, be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus Aaron will bear the means for making decisions for Israelites over his heart before the Lord. And so now you can see why the Lord is so serious about it. He wants you to have an affection, not an anger, not a like, hello, you know, like, hello, McFly, or browbeating people. No, no, I want you to care about them. I want you to have compassion. Does our high priest have compassion? Are you against his heart all the way to the cross and out of the tomb? And so if you ask this about the Urim and the Thummim, I have no idea what that is. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to do the best that I can with that. But I do know that inside of this uh, breast piece that's right here, like I said, you see, I don't know if you can see it, there's a little slot in there. And they would put two, what they would consider two stones. What these two stones are, are like, no matter what anybody tells you, is up for a debate, even though there's a lot of history behind it. But some people say like, it's like a yes and a no. I don't know if you remember back in the day, we had yes, no, and weight bracelets uh, for when we would do our prayer time. There would be a yes and no. And this is for everything that didn't match a description in the Bible. So you had a question like, should I take on this kind of a job? And it's like, well, I don't know. Welding isn't in here. You know what I'm saying? It's like, um, I don't know anything about IT, but it's not in the Bible. You know, like, that doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't care, right? Just because it's not expressly put in. So they would go to the priest. That means down to the minute thing that you would go, I'm really, I'm just stressing out here. I actually knew a guy who... Uh, um, you know, like was struggling with, with not getting work for a long time down in Fort Lauderdale uh, when I was going to church at Calvary, Fort Lauderdale. And I remember every day he would come and pray and they have a, like a prayer, a prayer service. He was there. And if it was 6 a.m., he was there. And if it was like 9 p.m., he was there. And he was praying, praying. And we're like, man, I hope this guy gets a job. And finally he came in and he just looked like so distraught. And we're like, what's wrong? He's like, oh, I got too many job offers. <laughs> and we're like, well, pick one. I mean, just, I mean, pick anyone. You haven't worked for eight months, just grab one. And he goes, I don't know what's the right one. And I understood what he was saying because it was kind of like one of these, I just want to go before the Lord and see what the right one is. And one thing that the prayer partner that was, because I was eavesdropping, I shouldn't have been, but I was eavesdropping in his prayer because I want to know how it was going. The, the prayer partner said to him, he goes, why don't you just take Jesus into all these interviews and see? And I was like, at first I was like, he's blowing him off. But then the more that I thought about it on the way home, I was like, that's true. You should take it away. And he come to find out that two of the jobs, two of the jobs through the interview, he found, you know, because he's like, all right, I'm going to bring Jesus with me into the interview. Two of the jobs were illegal. And so he goes, I guess that's a no. I guess that's a no from Jesus Christ. And so this would be on that kind of level. Lord, I don't know what the right move is. It's not in scripture. What should I do? And the priest would reach into here and he would pull out a stone. Now, whether it was a, like some people think it was like it was one stone was one color and another stone was another color and that's how you said yes or no. And somebody has a cooler idea. I just want to put this in your head because I like it. It doesn't mean it's better. But the, that they were more like diamonds. And so that the priest didn't even know the answer when he pulled it out. He had to hold it up to the light. And when it hit the light, it said yes or no on the wall. And I was like, that's, none of that is even true, but that just sounds cool. And uh, that's the one I like, you know, but, uh, but either one is true because it shows you that you can bring anything to the Lord. You can bring anything to Jesus Christ. Go into the kids' ministry and listen to their prayers. Dragons, unicorns. I just, I want a, I want a tiny elephant. I mean, they're praying it, and they don't care. Is Jesus listening? Absolutely. Will he give them any of those things? Absolutely not. They kill goldfish. But he will 
bless them with something that he thinks is appropriate because he cares. So look at verse 31. Uh, Make the robe of the ephod entirely of blue cloth with an opening for the head in its center, and there will be a woven edge like a collar around the opening so that it will not tear. Make pomegranates of blue, purple, scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. And the gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate around the hem hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it when he ministers. The sound of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord when he comes out so that he will not die. Now there's two things I want to address here for you. This is at the bottom down here. If you guys can see here, here's the blue ephod, right? So this is what he would be wearing over his white linen. And you can see here there's bells and then there's pomegranates. And so it was actually shaped like a pomegranate and they would bang into each other as they were going and they would have this ring. And so he would wear this as he would go into the holy place and be ministering. And for the longest time, I'm going to correct something that I taught wrong. For the longest time, I always heard it this way, and you may have heard this in the past, but I found out through Scripture that possibly none of this is true. But the baby said that they had the bells because if he went into the Holy of Holies and he died, they had a rope tied around his, his foot and they would pull him out. Some people have heard that. I've, I've learned it all. I found there's no basis for that in Scripture but I do want to let you know something. Most of the time, the priest would strip down to only white and a, and a sash because he would, he would already know that he was good with the Lord. He would have a confidence that I have followed the Lord's prescription on how to worship him. I will go that way. The reason why he has the bells is to remind himself, even though he might come into the, whole, the most holy place and do his routine, not to treat it as a routine. The bells were to ring in his ear as he ministers to remind him to not take God for granted, to not be too familiar. Kind of like teenagers, right? They come in, they put their feet up, right? What do you got for dinner? I'm making dinner. Hold up. And like they start putting their hands and stuff. Like you're a, li- you're a little too familiar right now, buddy. You know, just back up. You need to have a little bit more reverence. And that's what this bell was for. And we'll know that's because in a couple of chapters, we're going to see Aaron's sons don't have that reverence. They don't take the privilege seriously. And what happens? Dead, right? And so we need to understand this. I do believe God wants us to come before him in freedom. I think the Lord wants us to come, and we know that through scripture, that he wants us to come before in joy, in celebration, right? Because he has brought us into that place. But let us not forget the privilege. Let us ring a bell in our own ear. The only reason that I can stand up here and preach the word. The only reason that we can bow our heads and know that we are ushered into the throne room of God with thanksgiving and praise is because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only reason I have access to the most high is because my high priest has come in and covered all my imperfections with his perfection. And so I will never take that for granted. And so I never go into any of my part of my relationship with God on my own strength and my own power. Remember, the author and perfecter of my faith had to reach down into my own faith to perfect my faith for him. Verse 36. Make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it a seal, holy to the Lord, and fasten a blue uh, blue cord to attach it to the turban, to be the front of the turban, and it will be on Aaron's forehead, and he will bear guilt in the uh, he will bear guilt involved in the sacred gifts that the Israelites consecrate, whatever their gifts may be. It will be on Aaron's forehead continually so that they will be acceptable to the Lord. And that's exactly what we're talking about tonight. And so we're just looking at this. Isn't that cool? The turban. 
So you got that cool turban on top, and then there's a blue cord that goes over it. And then there's this gold plate, which actually translates to crown. It's a diadem. It's actually you know, the, the, the crown of a king put on his head. And that had an inscription on it. And that inscription was the holiness of the Lord, or, or holiness to the Lord, right? And so this is so that no matter what gift you brought to the, to the Lord, it was covered by the holiness of the Lord that was inscripted across, the, across that high priest. So what's the translation? I don't care what kind of worship you brought in here today. Whether it was it with, I'm learning, I'm a new Christian, or I'm an old Christian, and I, and I, I was taught wrong, and I'm, brought, and I'm bringing a whole new self you know, to this, or, or maybe I'm struggling to understand. But the fact of the matter is, if you came in here and worshiped Jesus Christ, the Lord enjoyed the service. And that's what we should be concerned about, is God enjoying the service, not am I enjoying the service. How's the Lord, what is the Lord getting out of this service? Is this service holy? Because I will let you know, starting with myself, this whole service was imperfect, as much as we would try. But it was covered by the grace and the holiness of God. The Lord looked down and he enjoyed it. Just think about this. Why the sacrifices? Because the Lord loves to forgive. Why the high priest? Because the Lord loves to cover. He loves to cover the imperfect with the perfect. And so whatever you bring becomes holy when you bring it in the heart of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're crowning this high priest in that. And so when you show up, we have to just not look at this because I could easily, Rachel could easily, all the pastors could easily say this. Well, this either gets a pass or fail grade. No, you know what it gets? Like this service, it doesn't get a pass or fail grade. It gets a Jesus. And that's it. We didn't come to church tonight. We came to hang out with Jesus Christ and be ministered to him, and to be grown by him. And so that's why we can say this, no matter what I have, this is what you get, Lord. You can have all of it. Verse 39. Weave the tunic of fine linen, and make the turban of fine linen, the sashes to be the work of an embroiderer. Make tunics, sashes, and caps for Aaron's sons to give them dignity and honor, and put the there are the clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons and anoint them and ordain them. Consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. We know that, the, that two of the boys are going to get killed, right? Did the Lord know that? Did he still anoint them and consecrate them? Bring what you have in imperfection. I'm not going to say that you might die. But what I'm going to say right now is that the Lord is here for you. Look at verse 42. Make a linen garment, undergarment. So now we're getting all the way down to the bottom. Right here, right? The white, the purity. Make linen undergarments as a covering for the body, reaching from the waist to the thigh. Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of the meeting and approach the altar to minister to the holy place so that they will not incur guilt and die. And I want to let you know, you could seem kind of weird, man. I mean, God is so specific. By the way, put on your linen undies. I mean, that seems so specific, doesn't it? You're like, Lord, what does it matter? You know, like... I, you know, I'm good, but the Lord doesn't care what the people can see. It's what he can see. God cares about what you are spiritually dressed in all the way down to the heart, but what nobody else can see, he cares. And so this was as much about uh, the, the heart of the priest as much as it was about the obedience of the priest. Lord, do you want me to wear that? I'll wear that. Lord, do you want me to do this? I'll do this. Because what you've done for me is far beyond what I can imagine. And this is to be the last ordinance for Aaron and his descendants. And you think about this, the call for the prayer or the call for the high priest is this. I want to see you clean all the way through. I don't want to see you acting perfect in church. I want you to be filled with a purity and a holiness. Remember the word blameless. The Lord wants you blameless. As if it's not perfection. The word blameless is forgiven. The word blameless is restored. 
The word blameless is redeemed. And so as we look at this, you could go, well, why all this fashion? Still the same. I understand it's giving us a very nice view of what Jesus would be in the, in, in the, in the New Testament, right? You're seeing it. You're seeing a heavenly priest, right? You're seeing wow, with holiness crowned on his head, who is the priest that enters into the Holy Holies, right? And then the veil was torn. And then what do we have access? Because we're covered in Jesus Christ's holiness. But we see his heavenliness. We see his, we see his purity. We see his heart for his people. He carries our burdens. But it's more than that. I want you to look at this verse. Hebrews 3.1. How did Jesus see it? Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Remember what I said in the very beginning? What is the high priest? He was a high priest to the other priests, covering the other priests so that they could do ministry and he would go before the Lord. You need a Jesus Christ. You have a Jesus Christ who has called you to do what he is doing everywhere you're at. So what he is doing in the Holy of Holies, he's asking for you to do in your home. What he's doing in heavenly places, he's asking you to intercede for your neighbors, carry burdens, pray, bring the affection of the people close to your heart, to carry the ministry, to look like him, share in that calling. And that's why it's important that we read from the front of the Bible to the back of the Bible, so that we could see what the calling of the Lord was. And that's what he's doing. Is he not fulfilling? Did Jesus Christ not fulfill everything of the Old Testament? Absolutely, everything of the high priest is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And because this is what eternity looks like. 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's an amazing verse, isn't it? A spiritual house to be holy priesthood Offering spiritual sacrifices. You know, we read a lot about, and what, I think it would be really cool if I came up here with a turban every week. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Of all those things, I really like the hat. That was what stood out to me. But you notice that we don't have anything special about, I mean, I have this cool Calvary Chapel style, like tropical shirt on, like Chuck Smith. But you know, there's nothing very special about the way we dress because we don't have to. I'm not slaying any goats up here, am I, or any sheep? Because I don't have to. Because the Lord is moving me into a new place and a new ministry that goes beyond this. I have a high priest, and he became the Lamb of God to die for my sins. So that's been taken one death, one time, paid for everybody. But what does he do it for? To pull me into this ministry, to be a spiritual house. Every single one of you is a living sacrifice, but it is also a building block of the kingdom of God, which means God counts you special when you enter into that ministry. And you can say, but I'm not gifted. I'm not a gifted speaker or or a singer. I'm not educated in the Bible. God didn't call you by your education. God didn't qualify you by anything other than are you born again in Jesus Christ? That is your birthright. That is your parentage. Step up and receive the ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I want you to be a living sacrifice. Look at Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Just think about this. As we enter the role of priesthood, we now offer spiritual sacrifice. Like I said, we're not slaying goats but we are offering our bodies. For as Jesus Christ resurrected us, and when he was resurrected, we have now been resurrected with him. We are now living a new way, a heavenly way, an eternal way. 
And just think about that. That word is crazy, isn't it? Living sacrifice. It goes against itself, doesn't it? But we are to die against ourselves every day, are we not? Are we supposed to take up our cross every day? That's the importance of what God is doing. Because what is God doing through all of this? He died for us. He paid for us. We belong to him. Why is this? Because he is preparing us. This ministry that we enter into today doesn't stop in this life. It goes on forever. So the, the, so the ministry that you live for today is your birthright through Jesus Christ as you enter into heaven. And wouldn't you love to stand before him and go, I served you there, I serve you here. And so he could say, of course, I served you there, I serve you here. What an amazing relationship. This is why we study all of Scripture. Because as we're getting prepared for all this, we need further guidance. Just think about it. Remember I said when the, when the angel taps you on the shoulder and is like, Mr. Everington, the Lord would like to see you in his throne room now? Like, <laughs> right? I need further guidance. Also, I need further clearance. We have the guidance here in our hand. What's the clearance? What's the clearance? Jesus Christ, I'm with him. Whatever I did wrong, I'm with him. That's what I Just know that. And we also need further preparation, and that's the sanctification they receive. There is a saving faith, right? Jesus Christ, you are my Messiah. Please forgive me of all my sins. Please, it's you. You're it. Saved. What about sanctification? Sanctifying every part of your life, not just parts of your life, your whole life. Your whole life is a living sacrifice. Your whole body as a temple. As a temple. And that's why I say we have access to God's plans in the Holy Spirit through the invitation of Jesus Christ. And this is for an eternity and this is for a ministry. And I want to end on this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And then without any shadow of a doubt, I love when the Lord holds up receipts. Don't you? Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that an amazing thought? Doesn't that change what you watch tonight? What song you listen to on the way home? I'm a, I'm a living temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. So you're standing before Jesus in the throne room of God, and he goes, you are not your own. I have purchased you with my blood. I have the receipt. Now enter into ministry with me. There's no other place I want to be. This is why I just want to remind you, I was growing up, we always say, you got to put on your Sunday best. Do you ever hear that? Did you hear that growing up? Is anyone there here? The Sunday duds, as my dad called it. You got to put on the Sunday duds. Don't you go near that mud. That's a Sunday dud. We'll never get the mud out. You'll look like crazy on Easter, you know? But we don't need to do that anymore because we're draped in the holy robes and the righteousness and the purity and the heavenly calling of Jesus Christ. Today, if you count Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are draped in that. And he is happy to give it to you. And I just want to put this down for one more time. When you says right here that, you know, you are not your own, just think about this. Before this, you had to wait for the high priest yearly. And then the veil tore. Jesus stood on a cross, called out to God, said, Father, forgive them. The veil tore, and now you have access to that God. So God grants you, with all of your imperfections, covered in his perfection, an audience with the Most High. Praise the Lord, right? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you and I praise you that we are no longer sacrificing animals for temporary atonement.
We have an eternity in our heart because of you. We have freedom because of you. We have joy because of you. We have been released from the slavery of sin because of you. The chains have been broken because of you. And more than that, more than that, am I not only freed, you have called me to the front lines of your ministry. And I have no other qualification but your affection for me. You love me. You care for me. You care for every single person in this room. And you say, come, stand next to me. Let's do work together. The same saving grace and the work that I did in your heart, I want you to be a part of that wherever I go. Wherever you go. I want to go where you go. Amazing, Lord, that you would even count me as a friend, let alone a son or a daughter. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that I am not my own. I am yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (laughs) 